church, right? Good morning. Good morning. All right. Everybody's here. Father, just uh, open your hands and if that helps you. Close your eyes, whatever. Uh, Father, we thank you. Thank you that we can come into your presence with thanksgiving and praise as your word declares. Lord, we thank you that you promise that wherever we gather together in your name that you would be present. And so we believe your promise that you are present here. Lord, we pray that you'd open our hearts and minds to your word, that we can behold wonderful things from your, uh, from your law. And uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, you said that your word is spirit and your word is truth. And so I pray that your word would minister to our spirits, uh, Father, that we'd be strengthened in our spirit and that this word would be received by the spirit, our spirit, your spirit within us in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. All right, we're teaching on the kingdom of God and I've had two weeks of introduction and now I can get to the point. <laughs> this is actually the first point. Next week is actually the point that that uh, was the uh, was the point I was trying to get to. <laughs> well, I kind of lost the point. So, uh, <laughs> uh, really, next week is is was the idea that that generated the whole series. It's like I had these. I kind of got this revelation, and then I had to back up and lead up to it. And uh, and the idea is the kingdom. And the the verse in Daniel chapter seven verse thirteen, which is one of the early uh, verses in the in the prophets speaking of this kingdom. I want to read this. <clears throat> so seven, uh, Daniel seven thirteen and fourteen. Daniel said he was watching in the night visions. Sometimes you can have night visions, but not be watching. Spiritual TVs turned off. But Daniel was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. I mean, it's just like, don't you wish you went into more detail? <laughs> you know, what did that really look like? We don't know. But it says, then to him, the one like the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not be passed away, and His kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. And I saw, actually this morning as I read that, that you know this was a personal act of the Ancient of Days, the Father, uh, that's what we normally call Him, God the Father, gave to a person, which is His Son, Jesus Christ. And so the kingdom is not... You know, I just saw the essence of it as Jesus' personal reign. This is personal to Jesus. It's not just an abstract idea or a disconnected you know, organization or structure. This is Jesus' kingdom. And when Jesus used the term kingdom throughout the Gospels as his te- in His teaching, He used it in the sense of, a, the one commentator writes it as the comprehensive term for the whole of Jesus' teaching. So Jesus would frequently say the kingdom of God is like unto or the kingdom of God is like. And He's, he's constant re- constantly referring to this kingdom of God. Well, listen, that's His kingdom. Right, And so in His teaching, He communicates what His kingdom looks like. And you know why He can do that? Because He's the King. 
Alright? He's the one that it was given to. He was the one that Daniel saw come before the Ancient of Days to receive this kingdom. So he speaks with authority. And he says, this is what, this is what my kingdom is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is how it works. This is how it functions. And the kingdom has laws. It has moral precepts. It has subjects. We come as we become subject. We come under the dominion of the king. And it has the king, the Lord Jesus. It's literally the idea of heaven on earth. Alright? That the <coughs> kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is represented on earth by those who are subjects of the king and live according to his law. So we talked about the when, the where, and the what of the kingdom last couple of weeks. And I want to um, kind of jump into um, uh, what uh, or how to respond to the kingdom. So this week and next week, we're going to discuss some ideas about how we're supposed to respond to the kingdom. And... Um, First of all, I feel like the word respond is a little <coughs> weak, <laughs> you know, because it's like, hey, you can respond, you know, get an invitation in the mail, respond if you want, get a Facebook invitation, you know, you can respond or ignore. And <coughs> when you encounter the kingdom, it's more than a response, all right? It's, I, I, I go back and forth between the term a reaction to the kingdom or a demand of the kingdom. When you encounter the kingdom of God, it has demands of you. Alright? There are demands placed on you or that are, you are compelled if you encounter the kingdom. Not just ideas about the kingdom, but the real kingdom. Let me just read a few verses quickly to get this idea across. Matthew 10.34, it says, Jesus said this, Don't think that I've come to bring peace on earth. Wait a minute. Joy to the world. Peace on earth. That's what the angel said. Ah! <laughs> Bait and switch. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think that would work in Japan. I better be careful. <laughs> no. That's not a culture. Okay, let's go back again. Back again. Back up. Go again. Okay. Don't think that I've come to bring peace on earth. You know, Jesus did come to bring ultimate peace, but between ultimate peace, there is a conflict. Alright? He says, I did not come to bring peace but a sword, for I have come to set man against his father, daughter against her mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. In other words, there's going to be conflict in the process of working out the peace that goes down to the most intimate of relationships. Matthew 23, verse 13, it says, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven. Against men. For you neither go in yourself, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. In other words, they, they kept putting obstacles in the way of people getting into the kingdom, and they didn't enter the kingdom themselves, and they thought they were teachers of the kingdom. And Jesus came and had stern words <clears throat> against them. Mark 6 says, Whoever will not, his, his, uh, um, his words to his disciples. He's saying, whoever doesn't receive you or hear you, when you depart from there, shake the dust, uh, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now, do you remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and what came down from heaven? 
mercy, fire and brimstone. It was bad, bad scene. Right? He says it's going to be better for them than it would be for those who reject the message of the kingdom. All right. <clears throat> Jesus said in Mark nine forty, he says, "He who is not against us is on our side." And then in Luke eleven, he says, "Who is not." Uh, with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. In other words, you're either for me or against me, you know. We are taking sides. And there, there, is a, there, there are kingdoms at war in the earth. And the war is severe. And, <clears throat> and Jesus also said, no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, or else you'll be loyal to one and despise the other. And you can, it says very clearly, you cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon is a term for basically possessions or worldly things. And that was in the context of teaching on, <clears throat> on, on, on getting caught up with worldly things. But the, the point of the verse is that you can't have two masters. You can't serve two things. There's, there's got to be one king in your life. And when you encounter the kingdom of God... If you encounter the kingdom of God in a real way, it will demand you're either for or you're against. You're either gathering or you're scattering. Alright? You, you either respond in a way, react in a way, re, re, respond to the demands of the kingdom so that you enter into blessing or you, or you will receive those curses that Jesus said, woe to those who don't hear. Who don't respond, alright? And the first response, <clears throat> the first reaction to encountering the kingdom that's required is repentance. Alright? Now let's just take a deep breath. <sighs> because although this is a very, you know, this is for real, this is a, I want you to get the impact of what repentance is. Um, but I also want you to see the joy. All right, and that this is good news. Most often, as soon as you start talking about repentance, people clam up because they get afraid, and uh, that shouldn't be our response. Let me just read a few verses. Matthew four seventeen. I'm going to read one verse from four different translations. Matthew four seventeen, New King James. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." <clears throat> In other words, this was the message that Jesus preached. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Wherever he went, <clears throat> from that time forward, he would teach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. Therefore, repent. Okay? That is the re response, reaction. That's what should happen. From the message, it says, This Isaiah prophesied sermon, <clears throat> Jesus had just quoted something from Isaiah, uh, a sermon from Isaiah, and, and, and so the, uh, and the message kind of ties that in. Uh, it says, this Isaiah prophesied sermon came to life in Galilee the moment Jesus started preaching. Isn't that nice? He picked up where John left off, John the Baptist, saying, change your life. That's what repentance means. The kingdom, God's kingdom is here. And Young's literal translation <clears throat> which I kind of think of as the pirate version. <coughs> I. <coughs> from, the time Je from the time began Jesus to proclaim and to say, Reform ye, for come nigh hath the reign of heaven. I. 
From that time began Jesus to proclaim and to say, Reform ye, for come nigh hath the reign of heaven. All right. Let it go. I, I should have had my iPad, son. And the Amplified said, From that time began to preach, uh, Jesus began to preach, crying out, Repent! Change your mind for the better. Heartily amend your ways with abhorrence of your past sin, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a commentator uh, on that verse, uh, Clark. says, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent. Every preacher commissioned by God to proclaim salvation to a lost world begins his work with preaching the doctrine of repentance. Okay? Every preacher. This was the case with all the prophets, John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, all of the apostles, and all their genuine successors in Christian ministry. So repentance is the foundational thing that must be preached. The word itself means to think differently. And... Um, uh, the word afterwards. Now we're going to delve into this a little bit, but like the Greek, the literal Greek translation of the word actually is afterwards, which we'll get into what that means. To think differently or afterwards. And then it goes on and says, that is to reconsider and to uh, morally to feel compunction. That's a good word, isn't it? We don't use that much anymore. <laughs> you know, you feel morally obligated to do something. You feel motivated, we might say. Um, another uh, resource says to change one's mind or purpose. Another resource says to change one's mind for the better. Heartily to amend with abhorrence uh, of one's past sins. So there's a, there's a sense of change, but it's not just, oh, I was walking down the street one day and decided to make a left turn, just I think I'll go this way, you know, and this is random. No, it's like, wow, there's a real reconsidering of the way I've been living my life, and because of that, and because of this uh, moral uh, compunction, abhorrence to this path that I was on, I make a total change. Alright? Change of idea, change of purpose, change of mind. Um, <clears throat> this is something, this is great. Uh, <laughs> been a Christian for over 30 years, been a pastor for 20 years, and I got this new revelation from this commentator. It was amazing. This is, <clears throat> let me go in and this, this is, this is again, uh, Adam Clark talking about this word repentance. Um, it says the verb is either a compound of after and to understand. In other words, a compound of two Greek words that means after understand, after you understand, which signifies that <clears throat> hearing such preaching, the sinner is led to understand that the way he, he has walked in uh, was the way of misery, death, and hell. Or the word can be derived after madness. Okay? As in insanity. Alright? Which intimates, listen to this, which infers that the whole life of a sinner is no other than a continued course of madness and folly. Wow! I had never heard that definition of the word repent. That it was actually 
And let me go on. It says, as if to live in a constant opposition, to stay, to be unrepentant is as it, and if to live, is, would be like living in a constant opposition to all the dictates of true wisdom. Listen, to wage war with his own best interest in time and in eternity, to provoke and insult the living God, and by habitual sin, to prepare himself, herself, only for a state of ministry, be evidence evidences of insanity. Every sinner exhibits them plentifully. Alright? From the notion of this word, the Latins termed repentance, I can't say their Latin word, but it, it, it means a growing wise again. And this guy called Tertullian, who was a very influential, he actually came up with the term Trinity. He's from North Africa. <coughs> Scholar in the... Uh, in the early church days, uh, translated it a restoring the mind to itself. All right? Out of insanity into understanding. Repentance, and please listen, please try to grasp this idea, implies that a measure of divine wisdom is communicated to the sinner, and he or she therefore becomes wise to salvation. Now, this is wise not in like, oh, I figured out a better way to do it. This is a divine understanding being communicated, being translated, being downloaded. You know, the computer can't figure out how to do a program better. It has to have a download from another source, right? To have a better program, to use a very, you know, kind of literal idea here. And we are downloaded with divine wisdom. And in receiving that, we realize uh, that there's a different way of life that's better. That his, his or her mind, purposes, opinions, inclinations are changed, and that in consequence, there is a total change of conduct. A total change of what? What does conduct mean? What you do. Alright? Do. <laughs> I ate in an Italian restaurant in downtown Chicago last night. Like the gangster's gonna show up any day, you know. <clears throat> Dean Martin was gonna walk out, start singing. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> I slipped back into the insanity there. <laughs> Listen, it needs scarcely be remarked that in this state, a man or a woman feels deep anguish of soul because he has sinned against God, unfitted himself for heaven, and exposed his soul to heaven soul to hell. Hence, true penitence has that sorrow whereby he, he or she forsakes sin, not only because it has been ruinous to his or her own soul, but because it has been offensive to God. And you know, that's true. And that kind of reflects the, the time that it was written that, you know, the proper response when you realize the depravity of the life you've been living and the end consequences of living in sin is disastrous to yourself for the now and for the future, but also offensive to God. You're sorrowful, and therefore you want to change. And the idea that the best picture of it, or a very good picture of it, is someone who is insane suddenly becoming sane. I want to see that, you know? I want to see that happen. I've been praying this for years. A few people that, you know, I've, I know that suffer schizophrenia, and, and I would just, you know, I'd love to see 
the change in the face, you know, and there's a few movies that portray it, people that are uh, and saying they come to like out of deception. And, and that's what repentance is, that, that you really... And to me, I can understand being sorrowful, but you know what? I think it's the response should be like overabundance of joy. You know? Like if you were like mentally insane and nothing in your life worked, you struggled for 30, 40 years, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you learned something or God healed you, or even if you got on some medication that helped you get your life was normal, you'd be, ah, oh, this is so much better. This is so much easier. This is so much funner. You know, and so there should be just this overwhelming sense of joy and rejoicing. Yeah, we're sorry for a sin. And, and, and I'm sorry that so often and for so many years and such an emphasis, uh, there is in most Christian teaching and books is, the, is an emphasis on the sorrow and you ought to feel really bad because you were really bad. So you ought to feel really bad. That's all shame. You know, and there's a sense that, yeah, I feel really bad about that, but look! I'm set free! I don't have to sin anymore! This is great! You know? I understand things I never understood before. And it's that happiness and that joy that overflows that really changes your life, eh? You know? That's what we're going for. That's what we want. Um, that we want to receive that divine communication that brings about a change on our core level reflected in our conduct but also communicated with joy and, and our, our emotions as well as our actions. <clears throat> Amen? Alright. Re- uh, repentance, encountering the kingdom, should be demonstrated by a change of mind or a renewed way of thinking. should be demonstrated by a change of heart, a renewed way of feeling. Listen, some of us need to lay hold of that. Alright? You need to feel differently because you've encountered the kingdom. You need to say, there's some feelings that you feel that are, in, that are inconsistent with the joy of the kingdom. And so you choose. That's no longer for me. I choose joy. Okay? It's the same thing. It's like, I can't think such and such because now I'm a Christian. I believe truth. And you can take hold and say, I'm going to feel the joy of the Lord. Change of heart. Renewed way of feeling. Change of purpose, renewed reason for being, change of behavior, new way of living. All right? Having been mad or crazy, we come into our right mind. All right? We come out of the haze and the darkness of sin and deception, and we walk into the brilliant light of the kingdom of love, the kingdom of His Son. And that should uh, reflect in a complete transformation of everything we do. Encountering the kingdom of God demands this, folks. It demands repentance. Jesus said you can't see the kingdom apart from this. We're going to get into that a little bit next week. A true encounter of the kingdom, you will either experience repentance or you will manifest resistance. There's no other... There's no... There's no neutral ground here, folks. There's no neutral ground. To the degree that you repent, you will bear the fruits of repentance, which is both sorrow for sin, but also the righteousness, peace, and joy which comes to the kingdom we talked about last week. Right? 
Okay, so if you repent, if you receive that transformation, you will experience the fruits of repentance. If you resist, you will experience the fruits of resistance. You cannot expect to benefit the benefits of the kingdom, all that righteousness, peace, and joy that we talked about, and not and not have come into repentance. All right, you can't hold on to the old life and expect the benefits. Of the new life, all right. This is non-negotiable. I'm sorry, you know. I'm not sorry because the aspects of the old life bring about death, destruction, confusion, depression, sickness, all that junk that Jesus came to die to set us free from, and we don't want that. You know, maybe if you want it, you can have it, but I don't want to stay insane. All right. You know, it's kind of goofy. It's fun for a while. But after a while, you get stuck there, you know. You want to come into the light. The temporary pleasure of sin produces a permanent pain in our soul until repentance is complete and we experience the freedom that's promised to those true citizens of the kingdom. What takes you from that pain into a place of pleasure and purpose and peace? It's repentance. It's where you allow a total trans, translation, transformation. And so I ask you, and the application to all this is, what in your life, what sin ex- still lingers? Is there a violation? Listen, sin is a violation of the person of God. He's a person. And some things offend Him. And He's clearly taken a whole book and thousands of years of human history to teach us, you know, what offends Him and what pleases Him so that we can walk in His pleasure. And if there's stuff in our lives that is part of what brings his, Him offense, you'll be uncomfortable in God's presence. All right? And you don't want that. So every time you think, I, I, but I want to fill in the blank, that's a lie. Are you hearing me? That's deception. That's insanity. Yeah, there's temporal pleasure in enjoying something that you know is forbidden. The proverb says that forbidden bread is sweet. But you eat it to your own destruction. That's not true. I want the pleasures of living in the presence of the king. Those are richer. Those are, they last longer. They're more full, full and, and free. Uh, and if there's anything in your life, and you just take a second, close your eyes, and don't worry about the person next to you. Think of what's in your life. Father, I just ask that you'd reveal if there's anything that's offensive to you, Lord. Lord, we don't want that in our lives. Oh, we want to receive, we want to come out of our insanity. God, we need to see light. And so I just pray that you bring revelation, God. If, if there's sin, if there's lust, if there's greed, if there's self-centeredness, Lord, if there's any deceit, if there's any stealing or cheating, if there's lewdness, if there's drunkenness, Lord, if there's any giving in to the, the flesh, if there's any giving room for the enemy, Lord, we repent of it. Just so say, I repent of it. Say, I repent. And I cast myself on Your mercy, Lord. 
And I receive the joy of my salvation. The freedom to live free from every sin for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, I declare the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. Amen. Well, if you weren't saved, you are now. <laughs> All right. Hallelujah. I'm just going to turn it over and let the uh, announcement person do his thing. Adam. <laughs> Give Adam a hand. Thank you, Cameron. Good word. All right, we want to welcome all of our guests. Thank you for joining us this morning here at New Day. We have a gift for you at our connection counter in the back. If you want to fill out the uh, connection card that's in your bulletin, go ahead and tear that off and take it to the counter, and we have a gift for you, so I encourage you to check that out. All right, we have a few announcements that I want to highlight in the bulletin. This is our final week for the coat swap that we've been doing. Uh, you have an opportunity to go shopping for your children uh, during the intersection time. There's uh, tables in the back with coats and boots and other winter items for you to check out that have been donated by other families here in the church. So that is a good thing. Our Japan team. Japan team is leaving in two weeks. That is amazing. That is exciting. Good times. We want to bless uh, Dennis and Kaku Sager. They are the, Dennis is the pastor of the church in uh, Japan that they will be ministering at. We have put a box over here that um, we would like people to contribute items to bless the Sagers. There are certain things that cannot be bought in Japan that we have available here in the United States. We want to bring a bunch of that to them, things that they like, like barbecue sauce. And so on. There is a list by the box in the back there. If you could take time to check out the list and uh, bring some items next week. We uh, need them by November 15th. If you could bring some items in and uh, we want to bless them, that would be awesome. All right, this is the last week for angel food orders. You can place those orders during the intersection time after service. And then also, coming up, believe it or not, we have a Christmas party uh, it's going to be on December 12th. What's that? I believe it. You believe it. And there it is. Uh, it's an extravaganza, a potluck, and a talent show. So there's an insert with some more information in the bulletin. Please check it out. Uh, sign up if you're going to be coming. We need to know by the 15th, so that's next week. If you're interested in the talent show, what you're going to bring, uh, all that kind of stuff is on here, so please do check that out. All right, at uh, this time, if the ushers could come forward, we will get ready to receive our offering. I want to encourage everybody to take advantage of the connection card on the back. We have prayer requests. Each week we have a team of intercessors that will pray for you in any requests that you write on here. So go ahead and fill those out. Put them in the offering with your, with, with your offering, and we'll be praying for you this week. Take advantage of it. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Lord, for your kingdom, Lord, we thank you for your mercy, and we rejoice in where we are in you and where we get to be and the freedom we get to experience in you. Father, we pray for your blessing on this offering. We ask that your kingdom would advance through the gifts and giving in today's offering. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we have a life group testimony this week from Heather Hayes. So, Heather, if you want to come on up. Heather is a part of the Purple Book Life Group. Let's give her a hand. 
So Heather is part of the Purple Group Life Group. So for those of us that have never been to the Purple Group Life Group, when does it meet? Purple, 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 what did I say? <laughs> purple Group is purple people in this life group. Purple Book Life Group. If we've never been to that, could you tell us when you meet and, and what it's like? Um, we meet on Sunday evenings at 5 o'clock sharp. <laughs> um, and what was the question again? What do we do? Yeah, what does a, a normal meeting look like? Uh, we go in and we read the Bible. And actually, the Purple Book is a really cool book to read. I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to do that. But um, we come prepared. We uh, have assignments every week to go through a certain chapter. And uh, we come in with our homework done. And we have the opportunity, um, we have the captive audience of Kathy and Cameron Wright, and we have the opportunity to ask questions and learn quite a bit about the Bible. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but reading the Bible is actually really fun. <laughs> and um, that's something I've discovered in it. So that's kind of a short caption of what we do. Great. Now, could you share with us a something that have impacted you from this life group, something that you've taken out of it? Um, yeah, actually, I think it's just the whole idea of the Bible and what is in it has really been fun to read. And um, all the questions or some of the mysteries that I've noticed about the kingdom or the questions I've had about this kingdom that we live in, this kingdom of God, actually has been kind of revealed by going through the Purple Book. So I just really want to encourage you guys to take the time to really dig into the Bible because you can read it, but then there's another level that you can understand it. And it's much more exciting if you really understand it and you can start to live it. And then I, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, I, it's a whole other level that you can enjoy the kingdom at by discovering some of the mysteries. So, Awesome. That's good. Well, we want to pray for Heather and the Purple Book Life Group. So, Father, we just thank you so much for Heather, and we thank you for this life group. And, Lord, we pray that everything that you are, are, are doing in Heather's life through this life group, we just ask for an increase of that right now, Lord, that she would go even deeper with you, that she would discover new levels with you and new levels of truth in your word, and that she would know you more. And, Father, we just pray for everyone in this life group that they would encounter you more and learn more about you and let their lives be transformed as they learn about you through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Heather. Hold on. Thanks, Adam. Book that goes through topically different uh, foundational Bible uh, principles or principles of uh, of the Christian life. So things like repentance and baptism and and uh, uh, the place of the Bible and the life of a believer. And so it's just a, a foundational Bible study. It takes 12 weeks to go through, and it is a lot of fun. And uh, as well as many of the life groups. So <clears throat> purple book's great, but also, do you happen to know what it is this year? What it's the year of giving! Yeah, big hand for the year of giving. So the year of giving is because God gave the greatest gift of all, the gift of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to give, all right? And so every week we give a gift, and you can participate because there's only now what six weeks left. Two services and 12 gifts. Listen, if there's someone in the congregation who 
think, oh, they haven't gotten the gift yet this year. Go get them something. Get something to have. Or make something. And uh, get it set up. Today's gift is Coldwater Creek. Oh, yes. It's a wonderful store. <laughs> it has nice clothes. All right. Let's pray for Kathy. Father, we thank you for Kathy. We just pray that she'd be able to splurge and be blessed. And Father, that she'd have wonderful things, not only from Coldwater Creek, but from your Holy Spirit as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. You may be seated. Oh, isn't that fun? All right. Well, we also have a gift of prophetic ministry on this side of the uh, stage. You can receive prophetic ministry on this side of the stage. You can receive prayer ministry for what, any need whatsoever. Otherwise, please stand. Greet one another. If you have kids in kids ministry, you can go retrieve them. Uh, you are dismissed. God bless you.